Thank you for joining us on this episode of Eminent Teachnology with Dr. Rochelle Newton and Drew Stennett, where we examine current and emerging technologies through the lens of diversity and equality. Uh, hello, everybody, and welcome back to a new episode of Eminent Teachnology with Dr. Rochelle Newton and Drew Stennett. Uh, today, we're going to continue our talk about uh, diversity in the workplace, and uh, we're going to focus in a bit on application, uh, what are they called, application tracking systems? Is that right, Rochelle? ATS, application tracking systems. Excellent. And job descriptions and just sort of like how all of those sort of work together to get someone a job or to not get someone a job or to, and I, I think the most important piece here is like who sees the jobs and who makes it through those uh, initial tracking things. So, so let me start by asking you the question. So what is an application tracking system and when did it come into full existence like it is today? Yep. So when I think about application tracking, I think of in the, we'll call them like the olden days, which would be like 20 years ago, maybe, where we didn't have these systems. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, you know, when you wanted a job, you would send your resume into a company or the company's HR department. Somebody would look at this piece of resume on a, like, dead tree on a piece of paper, and they would sort of make uh, some initial judgments on if they think a person is capable for next steps. Next steps being, like, either a phone call or an in-person interview. And, uh, and that's how you would sort of get a job, right? You would just send your resume in or have a service send it in. And then there's a bunch of eyeballs looking at it and you go forward. Well, when the- Also also in that process, in the olden days process, it was who you knew, right? If you knew mm-hmm. somebody that worked at the company, you could make a call or an email or something and say, hey, I'm looking for a job. You know, it may not be an ideal fit for you, but normally they would try to squeeze you in. And a lot of the th- government, federal governments and, or, and laws and stuff frowned on that, you know, in nepotism and, you know, having your family work there and all that. But most companies have never overcome that completely. Even with an ATS tracking system, you can bypass the application process by, you know, having someone in, on the front line who will help you get a job. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's sort of like human nature when you're not thinking about it to be like, you know, like Rochelle say, like you got a piece of mail, like if you get a piece of mail in your, uh, in your like actual mailbox at your house versus someone like hand delivering you a personal note, right? Like you're probably going to take more action on that thing that the person hand delivered you because, you know, they came over, you know, the person, you had a conversation with them versus picking out some piece of mail from your mailbox that says, oh, someone wants to be friends with you or, you know, a a job in this case. But uh, yeah, so people would get that sort of additional touch, which required you to like know somebody either in HR or in the system that would do that hand delivering for you. And when the- As ATSs have come online, it's kind of circumvented that- connecting to people to some degree you know mm-hmm. that connection to people to some degree still works so we all know Kyle Kavanaugh got the job at the NBA because the head of the NBA went to do because graduate so you, you you see that kind of thing and, and in a lot of ways that's you know when they used to frown on uh, insider trading this is almost like insider trading right you mm-hmm. get an advantage because you know somebody but what ATS were supposed to do is to take out all the bias and all the other stuff right so typically a job description has something about the company, then it will describe the job, have some kind of required, required uh, it, it, 
required responsibilities and, you know, preferred skills. And then it'll get down to the flowery language about EELC and all that stuff. And then it ends, right? Mm -hmm. So the application tracking system cuts out the flowery language at the bottom and it cuts out, cuts out the quality of the company. And all it does is it focuses on the language. So somebody sends in a resume. So the, res the position says, we're looking for somebody who is an IT security expert, must know power, power proof, but forefront, you know, honeypots, all these different terms that, that we use in there, you know, what all these things mean and how to do that identity management, all that stuff. And so they list that down as the skills that they want or that their job requires. And then they get down here to preferred skill. You must be certified as a CISO or an ISO or some kind of certification and all that stuff. So that's the, the meat and potatoes. And so now it gets this resume to apply almost side by side to what it has is this requirements from the job description and what this person says. So the person says, you know, I have experience with honey, honey pots. I know what proof point is. I know what identity management is, or, you know, some, some of the key words. So the more of those key words that are met, the more likely the ATS is going to consider it. But then there are parts of the ATS that will not consider. So for example, if there's gaps in your employee, if you went to, say if the requirement is that you went to an elite school or that you work for an elite company or something like that. And I've seen that, you know, usually when they're hiring for higher ups in organizations, they have all that stuff. And so if you haven't gotten that, it kicks you out. If you don't have a four-year degree, it may kick you out. If you don't have 10 years of experience, it may kick you out, whatever the things are. And what happens is those ATS kick out more black and brown people and women than it does any, anyone else. Why is that? If there are no biases and 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 uh, discriminatory fact factors in an ATS system, yeah. So to me, I don't. I wouldn't say that ATS systems are unbiased. I would say that they're tr they're probably trying to be unbiased by like you know just taking the data and putting it in. Um, you know, like like everything, I guess like the road is paved with good intentions where right. <laughs> where people want to say like hey, you know, instead of reading these 30 things that I got in the mail, it would be great if someone could just like summarize it for me, right? And so that's sort of one of the steps of these ATS systems is like, this is going to be a Python job. Does the, does the person mention Python in their resume? If and not, how often do they mention it and how much experience do they have with it? So if it's a Python job, your resume needs to be littered with stuff about Python. You worked mm -hmm. on a Python product here, did this, this, whatever. And, and then also it applies to the amount of experience they want. So if they want a senior level position, then that means you have to have walked on, on, on water and part the Red Sea with Python. But if they're mm -hmm. looking for an entry level person, you need to you have you need to have some experience with Python. You need to have coded in that. You have you know just just enough to get them in interested. Most people spend a lot of time in their resumes with too much language that's not relevant, right? So if you're going for a job and it's a Python job, you start off your very first sentence after you get past the pleasantries. Uh, Twenty years, ten years, five years, three years with Python. Work with Python coding and various types of projects such as such as such as such and then you know i did a python project you know for this company or for you know something myself or something but something about that and then keep that going in there and then get to the point where you get you go back and read what they say the preferred skills are so if it says strong communicator so you need to be able to say yes i'm a strong communicator you know yep. if it says you want people who are good with working with others you need to say you know i work well with others and you know i am supported by my team or something like that but but to get to that and then get rid of all of that other flower 
salary stuff. You know, you know, I think mm-hmm. you have a wonderful company. I would love to work for you. I've heard some wonderful things. You don't need all that because ATS doesn't know what to do with any of that stuff. It's just the meat and the potatoes. And yeah. so if you can put that in, in your application, you have at least a shot, not a good shot, but you have a shot of getting out. Yep. What 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 makes those people stand out in an ATS system? So they st- go ahead. Uh, no, no. Yeah, I was just going to agree with you. And it's uh, it's almost like, you know, in the and again, I'll speak back to the olden days. But in the olden days, you had a resume, right? Like I as Drew would write my resume. I'm looking for a job. I put everything on my resume and then I send that resume to a bunch of spots. And now, like, I don't know that that's necessarily the right thing to do anymore. Like, like you're saying, like it, your resume should be tailored. I won't say 100% tailored to what the job description is, but it's important to look at the job description and make sure, you know, if you have experience at these things that are described, that you're representing that correctly in your, uh, in your resume. So, you know, if I, I'll say like, I love Python, Python, I want to do Python full-time. If right now I'm only doing Python like part-time and, you know, not, not focusing on it very much, if I'm going in for a Python job, I want to boost that up in my resume versus, you know, if I was going for another language or another skill set. But yeah, like you want it, you want your resume to match what these automated systems are looking for. Yeah. And so what's really interesting about the job population, you know, there are two or three types of people. There are people who are really aggressive. They know what they want and they go after it and they, they're just pushing full force and, you know, it doesn't bother them that they'll call the company or email the president or email somebody and say, hey, I apply for your job because that's, they're really intense about that. Mm-hmm. And, and that, in a, lot, in a lot of ways, enhances what the ATS does. So the ATS has narrowed your skill set down and says, hey, you might be a good candidate. But now the president or somebody now knows you and knows mm-hmm. about you. Um, but then the other, there's the other sub, sub, sub minute segment of the population are a little bit more leery right so they're not so sure how this i'm just going to submit my application and see what happens and so you submit your application you don't hear anything rejection you don't hear anything rejection you don't hear anything you don't hear anything and so after a while people get you know burned by that so they're just not mm-hmm. in and so then the other group of people you have and you know i have one of these is those people who are timid and don't want to be seen as disrupting people interrupting them or whatever so even if they have a you know a sufficient resume they they're then waiting subjecting to what this ats is going to do to them versus you know taking a bold step you know do i know anyone at this company is there one anyone i could call do i know who the hiring manager is, is somebody i could do and i will tell you in my career in my beautiful 45 year career i've only gotten three jobs by applying for it. all the rest of them somebody's called me and say even the job at duke someone called me and say hey come work for us carolina yeah. same thing come work for us and I think that when you build up a reputation and there's enough people who know who you are and know what you do, you get that. But for those yeah. people who are, are kind of waiting for something to happen, they're going to end up waiting for a long time because the system doesn't move that way. And, you know, if you're thinking you're bothering somebody, people are intelligent. They can tell you, hey, I heard from you yesterday. I'll be back in touch with you next week or I'll be in touch with you again. or I'll let you know. Yeah. But if they don't know you want something, if they don't know you're interested in this job, all they can do is just wait to see if the application tracking system delivers something to their desk for somebody that's qualified for a position. In a company like, like yours, where you're so large and there are so many jobs and so many people applying. So I remember a few years ago, we, put, we posted a position for a senior 
IT analysts. Um, we got, I think, close to 30,000 applicants you know, oh. through the pool, right? And so when it went back to the ATS, it cut it down to, I think, like 500 or so jobs. That is still a lot of right? applicants. Lot, right? And so then we went through, and I think this is where, you know, I don't remember the guy's name, the guy who wrote uh, Planisphere. Uh, oh, Sean. I think somehow or another, he tinkled with the ATS a little bit to um, narrow it down. So you weren't getting more than 30 because, you know, as a manager, however many people you get, you have to go through back in HR and tell them why you didn't hire this person. You have to tell them Mm -hmm. why this person wasn't interviewed or something like that. So you want that number to be as small as possible. And that's another bad thing for applicants, right? So because the HR and the hiring manager now has to decipher these 30,000 applicants has got, thankfully not, but you know, these, yeah. these large number of applicants and say, yes, we interviewed this person or no, we didn't interview this person. Here's why, and here's why this person wasn't considered. And they're doing that for EELC. But the problem is now that this manager's now got 10 applicants that they've got to review, that's less work he or she may have to do. And so that's mm-hmm. a problem in the ATS system as well as in, in the entire HR system as well. Yeah. Yeah. And like the other, the, uh, the, to me, the other thing about these ATS systems is like, they're not a person and they're not like perfect AI, right? They're all algorithms written by tech people and the tech people are majority white, white men. Yeah. <laughs> so that like, I mean, I think we've talked about this before, but I think that already builds in bias. And then like the other thing is sort of like we've talked about, you know, for folks that are new getting into the system, it's this weird sort of self-perpetuating keep new people out because if you don't have experience, it's hard to get experience, you right. know, unless the position is specifically looking uh, for new people. And, you know, you, you can't just have experienced people all the time. <laughs> like all the yeah. experienced people will eventually die off. You've got to bring in new people. Or they go for bigger, better things. So so yeah. all of that is correct. But, but I think that you know, the way it is. So we have the great resignation, right? What is it? Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2021, in, I want to say October, 4.5 billion people quit, million people quit. And then in January of 2022, 4.3 million people quit. Now, I don't know what that is in terms of numbers. I'm not a, a statistics, economics, uh, a Bureau of Labor Statistics guru, but I know things pretty well. And it's just amazing to me that that number of people quitting explains why we have supply chain issues, it explains why we have terrible customer service. Customer service is horrific. You know, all of these things are suffering because of these resignations. But then to get to the meat and potatoes of why people quit, right? So first of all, three-fourths of them are black and brown that quit. The other fourth is women that quit. Very few white men quit. I mean, it's almost like a study or something. White men just do not leave jobs Mm. unless they're moving to another opportunity, something better, but they don't. So for those black and brown and women that quit, what are they going to do now? Eventually, they're going to come back to the job market. They're going to have to survive. Government assistance and subsidies and all these other things are going to eventually go away. You're going to have to come back to the job market. What is the job market going to do? The job market is going to do exactly what it's always done. It's going to make it incredibly difficult for you to get a job. Because now you've got time away where you did not work. And on a resume, the worst thing you can have is a period of time greater than like three or four months where you did not work. And so 
the ATS is going to look at that and reject you out of hand. So you're just not going to stand a chance with that process. The other part of the problem is, is that those come back. Hopefully they've gone to school, retooled themselves, taken a, a trade class or something to help them get the skill. Now they need to have practice experience, practical experience. So although you've got an education, that doesn't help me. So if I were to come to you and say, Drew, I want to work for you. I've got a college degree and I've got a college degree in literature and psychology. Um, and I want to work in your department. You know, my college degree doesn't mean anything to you because that's not the work that you do. You don't care about literature. You don't care about psychology broadly. You know, you care about how well the person can write and the mm -hmm. degrees, you know, how well they get along with others. But what you're looking for is you have work to do and you don't want all that work to fall back on you. So what do you do? You have to hire people who are competent enough to help keep the work off of you. And that's the problem. These people that will be coming back to the workforce will, will face. Yeah. And then, and then let me say one last thing. And then the other problem is the bias in the written job descriptions, right? So I was writing about this this morning, right? So you have a comment like elite, high caliber, exceptional. You know, all of these words are biased because what they are saying is you want somebody white. That's all that they're saying. You know, so you want someone that has a, an elite, who, who is elite? Who has an exceptional background? Who is a strong whatever? And, and to me, when you use those kinds of words, you know, you're limiting your pool because, you know, even I, with all of my experience, would not apply to a job that had any of those words in it because it would just mean that I would not even stand a chance and I don't want that rejection. So I wouldn't apply. So if you write your, your job description, so my company name is Drew Stennett and we hire technicians to do X, Y, and Z. Here's a skill set you need to have. Here's what we require. You must be in person or off work. You must work da, 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 and end it. None of that, you know, this, the, the, the flowery stuff, the flowery stuff is what gets you in trouble every single time. Describe Drew's company. We are a Fortune 500 uh, company and we do X, Y, and Z. That's all you need to say. Yeah. Down here, you describe the work. Here's what we need. Five or six bullets of what you need. Preferred records. And you can make up sentences and preferred bullets, you know, what you need. And then end it with what are the federal, local, and state requirements that you must adhere to to work this. We all know uh, all jobs have other duties as described, which means your boss could ask you to mop at any time, and you know, then not much you could say, but go mop, which yeah. most bosses don't ask people like that to mop, but they could, yeah. you know. So, but in that job description, if you can eliminate that bias, if you can eliminate words that make it seem like this is going to be a daunting job, right? So, uh, I talked to one of my one of my colleagues at Duke about that. He has a job like that, and he has not gotten very many people to apply because the way the job description is written, it's written that very few, even white male males would be a little bit hesitant to apply for that job because they did not know that they could do it. And when you add the word senior to it, it's a whole nother game, right? So now you've eliminated everybody who has not been in this field 10 years or longer. Right. Yeah. So senior means 10 years or longer. So you've eliminated those people who have. Other. So yeah, the job description and the process of it is almost always against the person that is applying for the job. And as much as I hate to say it, I'm a true believer in asking somebody who, you know, and not depending yeah. on uh, technology to get you a job. Yeah, that the whole language of the whole thing, that's, again, uh, we have lots of mind-blowing things in these conversations, Rochelle, and today is no different. <laughs> like, uh, just sort of thinking through, like, you know, like, I don't know that I've used elite in a job description, but I probably have used, like, exceptional. And when I think about words like that, I'm like, oh, exceptional, it just means, you know, 
know a lot about it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But that also sort of bleeds into like, I know at one point, they people you know be like oh we need you to be a ninja or we need you to be a rock star or these like flowery terms that I don't know until just now I I would sort of see as a I think sometimes they're red flags all around because like who wants to be like a rock star like I don't want to like have to do all the work at a company which is what rock stars that's exactly what that statement meant (laughs) we get ready to drop every drop of work in your lap yeah absolutely yeah but none of that needs to be in a job description like right. it just it's a it's not, literally a description of the job right not even the exceptionals and that you know w- you know yes we all want exceptional people you know you could say that you know a strong commitment to the work or to our organization strong dedication to co-workers dedication to the mission you know you could say all of those things that in fact you don't have to say but you know that we expect you to do these things and when you think about that in the most narrow sense you attract more people and then my colleague who i was telling you about yesterday or therefore yes he sent me a list of all the places where his job was posted. So he was trying to make the point that they had sent it to historically black colleges and places like that. And he still got hadn't got the posted. And to me, it's almost always a problem with the job, not not the posting and not where you posted the job too. So if you posted a job across all America, you reached out everywhere. If you aren't getting candidates to apply, there is something wrong with the way you describe the work and you need to yeah. go back and rework the work. And I heard that had happened once or twice already, but really that is. And so even if you want to hire a senior person, you could do, you could worry that differently. So if you want a senior Jews or a senior Mm -hmm. IT analyst, you could put down strong IT experience, or you could put down more than 10 years of IT experience, something of that nature that conveys senior, but does not say senior. Because if I don't believe I'm a senior person, I'm not going to apply, you know? And so the, the terms have to be such that they're giving people an opportunity. And then we have to always remember, as much as this is hard to process for many people, we live in a predominantly white male world. I mean, I don't care how you cut your claws, what, you, what your politics are, we do. And so navigating that for black and brown and women are often challenging because it's easier not to navigate it. Say hell, hell with it. I'll go get a job at McDonald's or I'll go get something else. I'll take something less. Yeah. Uh, a conversation I recently had with Everett about salaries, right? So somebody offer you a salary in IT for $40,000. And you say, okay, great, I'll take that. So when you think about that, what have you done to the industry, right? So. IT's average salaries are $61,000, $62,000. The average salary, you can ask Glassdoor and salary mm-hmm. backdoor, whatever their name is. That's the average salary of an IT person, even an entry-level help desk, right? So yeah. yes, we know lots of people who make way less than that, make 50s or 40s or something like that. But every time you accept less pay, you make it eligible for them to pay somebody else less too. Yeah. And so if you go in with a conviction, here's my number. So my number is 60 I mean, for argument's sake, this is my mm-hmm. number. And I'm not moving from that number. If you want me, come to that number. Now, I'm willing to give you my heart, soul, and maybe even my first child, but you got to give me $60,000 in order for me to feel comfortable and to support my life, right? Yep. So, you know, people are often afraid of that, right? So the other thing I try to do is the art of negotiation, right? To be comfortable in negotiating. So you go into your performance review, it's an opportunity to negotiate. You get hired from a job, it's your opportunity to to negotiate. When you are leading a team or doing something uh, unique, that's an opportunity for negotiating. 
And it yeah. may not always turn out to be money. So your company may say, so you might get your best money negotiation when you first get offered the job or in the job offering process. But once you're in the job, you know, I want to work from home. I want a new computer every so forth. You know, negotiate things that help you do your job better. It has to be something that's beneficial to the company. So they aren't going to do it. Like you tell them, I want to go to Paris every month. They don't have an office in Paris. You know, you might be out of luck there. But, you know, yeah. if you want to talk about things that will make you be a better employee, you know, she negotiates. So it's not always money, but, you know, like, okay, I need a laptop. You know, I, I need, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, uh, AutoCAD, I don't know what it is, but yeah. whatever, you go in and you can negotiate those things with your employer. And you have that chance two or three times a year. And most people don't take advantage of it. And you and your, your performance review, that's an opportunity to ask for money or something else. So in your case, I've been in this job X year. Where do you see me going from here? You know, have that conversation. Where's my next steps? Have you gotten a plan for my next steps? And if so, how long is it going to take me to get to those next steps? And here's what I need to go to those next steps. And if yeah. the supervisor doesn't have that conversation with you, you have it with him or her. Yeah, yeah, that, uh, that's a great point. And a, a lot of being in tech, like tech, I think is a lot of times traditionally folks are introverted. And like, right. I know speaking as an employee and as a manager, like people just want to get through those things, right? It's like an awkward conversation, uh, you know, I will say it's varying degrees of awkward, but like you got to have it no matter what. So might as well get some stuff that you want out of it. Right. Like, <laughs> right. And the manager has to come in too. you know, the manager, I mean, just like you said, you're busy, you hate doing these things. You got to write stuff. You don't want to write, you know, in case, you know, somebody mm -hmm. up above has a problem with you or thought something about you, all of that factors in the process, but you as a manager have to engage your, your employee because you want to get the best out of them. You want to, you want, Product, improve productivity and retain that employee. Now, if you've got a terrible employee, that's a whole nother matter, but you want to retain them. And so yeah. if you don't go in as the manager with that as your agenda, you yeah. failed your employee and you failed your duty. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it's cool for, so when I sort of think about like performance review time and, you know, bringing this stuff up, like I, and I think other people as well, you know, it's like, oh, it's performance review time. Let's just get through it. And then we'll not worry about it for another year. But I mean, it really is like, it's your time to like, to shine, to like show what you've done as well as like, like you're saying, like, you know, enhance, like what, what, what can make me do the job better and make me like more comfortable at this job? Because we're pretty much selling our lives for this job, right? Like, you know. Giving up your life for that <laughs> job, really. You, you, yeah. you spend more focused time at work than you do any other place other than sleep. And the yeah. two places we spend your, so, you know. 40, 50 minutes here and there with the wife, the kids, whatever, and you get interim, it visits with each other. But you have eight concise hours at work. Like nothing's happening but work. You might call your wife, you might go for a walk, you might, you know, whatever. But you really are focusing on work. Even when you're going for your run, you're thinking about, oh my God, I remember I was supposed to do this. It's, 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 yeah. it's been, you know, the work takes up so much of your life. So it must be that every time you're in that process, you're thinking about how can I improve me? How can yeah. I improve my team? And where do we go from here? And I will tell you what I know about most organizations. Most organizations want their people to sit in a rut for 30, 40 years. You do your work, but stay in that job right there. Yeah. And that's a disservice to yourself. Yeah, even in, even in a nightmare of, of ATSs. And I want to ask you a couple of questions about ATS. I know we don't have very much time left, but I want to ask you this. So we talk about automation and artificial intelligence a lot. 
So what's the artificial intelligence piece of uh, ATS and what's the, uh, the um, automation part of this, of, of uh, ATS? Yeah, so that's a great question. So when I think about the automation, I, I, I think the automation comes first and automation would be like, hey, uh, this is a Python job, make sure the resume includes Python. And like that's simple automation, right? That's just like, if contains, continue, if contains, continue, if else contains, continue. Where I think, and I think that could be, uh, I mean, I think there can be biases in there. Like, uh, well, I mean, there can be biases all along, but I think that's a spot for, for biases if you're searching for particular words. Uh, you know, like what if the person is uses a lot of Python, but they're to another level where they're using, you know, frameworks or something. And it's the frameworks that are in the resume that aren't going to get picked up if someone's just searching for Python. And then when I think about artificial intelligence with these things, that's where I see where they get, they look at a lot of data. So they say, you know, hey, we've pressed, we've sent on 5 million resumes out of the 2 billion that we got. And art, with artificial intelligence, that's where you can say like these characteristics seem to match job positions, right? Like if this characteristic of saying, you know, it could, it cannot even, it may not even be job related, right? The AI could be like, if the person says the word love 30 times in their resume, we found that people like that get placed at jobs better. And that's where the AI could come in and say, like, you know, we found this, you know, aspect of the resume that is very, that matches other resumes that were put in a good spot. Right. <laughs> but that is like, I mean, that's inherent bias, right? Because that's going to be, just reinforcing everybody that's already reinforcing the practices that everybody's already being hired under. And so that's where like it, things sort of fall over, I think. Right. And that's the problem with ATS is right. You are relying on a machine. So it's almost like the same algorithm that decides credit, right? So you go to the bank, mm -hmm. you want to buy a house, the house costs $300,000, the bank, the ATS, the algorithm says, okay, you know, where have you lived for so long? Have you paid rent on time every month? You know, are you, uh, you know, do you have good credit or other things in your credit? So it goes through and makes this assessment of you and renders a decision where that used to be a human being at one time. Now it's a machine that's doing this. And sometimes it's based on your credit score. Sometimes it's based on your uh, other histories that you have in your, in your life. But, but the problem with anything that is developed singularly by one group means that the other group suffers for it. And so I would say people, as much as you can, and I realize this is going against everything we know about current technology, but to avoid those ATS systems, if you can, or one of my friends, uh, and I think I may have told you this, one of my friends from uh, All Things Open, he said, my uh, gotcha, is he copied the entire job description and posted it in the bottom of his resume. And he got every single time he got called for a job, you know? I think yeah. the ATS will figure it out eventually and kick that out and recognize what that is. I don't know if it's doing that right now, but I'm sure yeah. they are thinking about people doing those kinds of things. You know, I mm -hmm. say the best process in this, and I mean, we companies more and more, the smaller the company, the less bias and dirt in the algorithm because they haven't invested in it. But mm -hmm. big companies with these algorithms, you can almost assure that people are going to be eliminated that are good candidates because of the bias in these things. And this is the things that we need to fix and to think about adding a human component in it. So before the resume is trashed, 
it needs to be directed to a human to trash it. So the human looks yeah. at it and says, yes, this is good. And then they trash it as opposed to the ATS trashing it. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think those are all good points. But and like resumes are so different from person to person. It's hard to even compare them a lot of times, right? Like, I don't know that we really have a great standard resume format for IT, you know, like sometimes it'll be a page, sometimes it'll be five pages uh, with varying degrees of uh, interesting, appropriate stuff on there. Yeah. So. And, I, I, and, I, and I think that, you know, what we are, so we have these nine, 10 million people return to the workforce, you know, what are they going to be subjected to, especially if they start in retail hospitality industries, right? So mm -hmm. they already got us, you know, to go to a better job. So, you know, maybe they go to the manager of the hotel, or maybe they be the supplier of the hotel or purchaser or something of that nature. Maybe that's possible. But to step from, you know, 10 years as a, a customer rep at, um, at Walmart, and to a junior level IT person is a stretch because IT now no longer can afford junior entry level people because the work is so crucial right now. You know, you're trying not to go dark. You're trying to keep your systems online. You're constantly being bombarded by phishing and ransom and all that stuff. So the people who are working other than that first level people who are working at the call help desk, yeah. you have to really be an expert. And even the people at the call help desk have to know how to ferret out what's really the problem before they route that ticket on. Because you remember, you remember back in the day you used to get a ticket. John says he can't open his email. What? <laughs> so they're expecting you now to call John and find out what the part is. We put a little bit more onus on the help desk to get all that. So when was the last time they successfully opened their email? What kind of problems do they have? And are they using Duke email? Are they using webmail? You know, yeah. all of these kinds of things to get a concise bit of information to the next level to support it. So for our industry, the those who haven't been in it before are going to have a hard time coming back. Now, if you were a junior or entry-level person in IT, you probably could come back, but you're going to have to come back with somebody you know. You aren't going to just apply for a job because you're going to get dismissed almost immediately. So you're going to need to reach out to people and have people on your team who are advocating for you every single day. Here, I heard of this job. Here's somebody. I know Joe over here. He's a really nice guy. I'm going to connect the two of you. And I do that almost every single day, you know, mm -hmm. trying to connect people. But that to me has to be the thing that we fix in these ATS systems and to remove bias as we can. And removing bias is not easy. Yeah. People, people like the code. You, look at the code you wrote. What if I came to you and said, Drew, your code has got bias in it. Remember, remember imagine what you'd have to do to rewrite it. Remember the nightmare <laughs> it took to write it, right? It's oh, not yeah. to go back and rewrite it. So removing bias is not so simple, even if the person has really good intentions. Because, you know, we all want to go home and have dinner at four o'clock. We all do. Yeah. But unfortunately, dinner might not show up till six, seven, eight, nine o'clock because you've got a fixed problem. So you need people working with you who can help and make a difference. Thank you for listening to Eminent Technology. If you like the show, please review, subscribe, and recommend us to your friends and family. We'd love to hear feedback from you as well. You can email us at eminentteachnology at gmail.com. See y'all soon.